Hi, folks. Welcome to another edition of Tom Foodery. Today is April 28th. I cannot believe April is almost over. Uh, not only that, but a, a series of other months that you maybe uh, are looking forward to yourself, or maybe it's a little much month. already. We're almost done with the fourth month. The fourth month. It's yeah. that, and uh, it's <laughs> the fourth month. You know, uh, I, I was reading around briefly uh, before we came on, and I saw uh, that April actually pops up all over the place uh, on the calendar. So I did for a while, and then I realized I had to stop because you wouldn't like it. <laughs> April is a wonderful month. Well, it's spring. I mean, spring is just, you know, spring is a new beginning. Spring is wonderful what I love mm -hmm. about it. A new beginning. Yeah, it is And speaking like of that. new beginnings, Tom, let's say that next Monday, less than a week from today, we start our own new beginning. It's we will be on WGSO Radio 990 from 2 to 4 weekdays. You can call in. Oh, I can't wait to do that. It's uh, been a long, long time since I was last in that. Yeah. In a, in a situation where people can just turn on a radio dial and listen to it. So don't forget, folks, less than a week away, Monday, May 4th, 2 to 4 p.m. weekdays, WGSO 990. We can talk to you and are looking forward to doing that. Mm. Tom, today is... Oh, back to April real quick. Uh, you were trying to uh, do that poem, April Showers Bring May Flowers. Yeah, they do as well you know when you look around you see that there are a lot of a uh, lot of different kinds of growth for whether it's spring or other items that after all of these months have finally just popped out and there they are you and it's like a whole new place to live it's called spring spring you say yeah, spring yeah and that's what's so wonderful and particularly in new orleans the weather uh we have um Depending on who you ask, not we have we have extreme weather. I would say our weather it, it definitely tends to be extreme. If it's raining, it's raining in buckets, and it rains for days and days, sometimes weeks and weeks. If it's hot, it's it's right on the just like right shy of hell. If it's cold, it's never so so cold here. I will say that, but it is it is cold and it gets into your bones. But we have, and thank God for this, had perfect spring weather through this whole situation, as I it's call it. It's been nice. Yeah. It would be really hard to do this lockdown thing if we were locked down in a nasty weather situation. Mm. Yeah, you can say that about, or the one of the uh, things about the springtime yeah. is uh, it doesn't have any hurricanes. In New Orleans, we get our four great days of the year in spring, and we get four great days in October. And that's it, except this has been an extraordinary stretch of beautiful spring weather here. And I'm just so grateful for that. Tom, today in 1932, Charlie's Steakhouse came Gosh, to be. been around that long? 1932 on Dryad Street. It's kind of a weird location and kind of a strange building. It's kind of like, it's like part of an apartment complex almost. Mm -hmm. You're talking about the actual building yeah, itself? Yeah, that, that place on Dryad Street. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a funny little place because it's almost completely run down. Uh, and I think that that is part of their program and their... Their charm, for their sure. Their charm, yeah. and yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. 
and uh, they have continued to do that. And I think if they made it any other way, people would sit down and say, hey, wait a minute, this isn't Charlie. Something's amok here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about the neon sign outside? Well, uh, there it is. Go, Go get all you want of it. And I know that you had a particular affinity for Dottie Bennett. What was her role in Charlie's? Well, uh, Dottie, uh, Miss Dottie, and uh, and oh, well, Charlie Petrosi started Petrosi. it. Yeah, Charlie Petrosi started it. Did you know him personally? Uh, didn't know him personally. When uh, did you but, first start hanging out at Charlie's? When did I start yeah. hanging? Uh, well, uh, that would have been back in the 1970s or 60s, okay. maybe even. Uh-huh. Uh, Oliver Kluna, who is... Oh, was he the one that you went with the first time? No, he was uh, He was just a friend from other things that I did. And one of the uh, oddities of that was that he uh, had this business of selling mattresses all over the place. And... Uh, in the course of doing ads for his ads, I uh, we would go over there and have uh, steaks over at Charlie Steakhouse pretty often, like once every couple of weeks. Oh, really? You went that often? I didn't realize yeah, it that. Was one of those things. <clears throat> we it's a good were, ritual. You know, we're old, you know, guys. Yeah. And guys, guys like their steaks. Like their steaks. Girls like their steaks. Yes, they do. Okay, so then you, I, I, I know the story. I could tell it, but I'm going to let you tell it. So you had, oh, you sat under this, one this funny little story. This place. Did you always sit at that same table? Usually we did. Yeah, yeah. really. And it was right in the middle of the room, <laughs> uh, right smack dab in the middle of the dining room, and uh, and then we would get to the end of uh, lunch, which would consist of the normal things you'd have at Charlie's. The first one was the fried onion rings. And that's the only appetizer you would get because that's the only one they have. And then they have that really great uh, salad made by just cutting basically one in half. Yeah. And then throwing it out there and the chef would... Uh, With the blue well, cheese dressing. Would uh, get it going and you would get the blue cheese dressing for most people. And uh, then you would uh, remember the next time or progress the, the next time you would uh, talk to all of these people. And well, you and we, you and Oliver had the thing where, I, and the fact that you were sitting in the middle of the dining room makes this story all the more interesting. At the end of the meal, yeah. you would flip over a painting. <laughs> there, there was one uh, one little trick we had, and because no one could ever remember whose turn it is uh-huh. to pay next yeah. time, uh-huh. and he was uh, off to the bathroom or something uh, one of these times, and I walked in there and I put it uh, on the inside, the other side of, of the thing that hangs. The, was, it a, was it a painting or was no, it, no, it was like a, a print a, of something? A, it's, it was a wall a, hanging. It was y- a wall hanging. You know what a good... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. And uh, that, then everybody would forget about it except me. And then we'd come back for our whatever number num- uh, of Charlie's. And uh, he said, oh, hi, my turn to page. And he, uh, and he reached into his pocket and i said no you haven't because i got it already a year ago uh-huh. so you had like a running tab of who paid last on the back of some wall hanging at charlie's in the middle of the it's dining the room which you consulted every time you went to lunch yeah, that was the funny thing about it it was a turned inward so you had to know about it uh-huh. and uh, he when he would go for it and he he would see another thing that would say 
Nope, not your turn. Okay. <laughs> I wonder what other diners thought when you all got up and Most flipped of them were the doing it too. Oh, really? Well, the word got around. <laughs> too bad. Maybe the they to could do have it. done. Maybe they could have done an auction like they do at Galatoire's of all the um, wall hangings that had everyone's tab. At least the people whose tab it was would probably buy it. Yeah, a lot of brilliant people out there. Yes, you can really <clears throat> just bite them. Yeah, that's you know. for sure. Anyway, okay, so Charlie, so back to the actual Charlies. What was interesting to me about it when I went, I think I maybe went twice. I went once just to see your wall hanging and to, he, to, to actually experience Charlie's as you and Oliver had related it to me. And the second time, just, I, I don't, you know, to go. And then Katrina happened, and I may have gone back once after that. But um, what was really distinctive to me is those little plates they used, which they, which they took after the hurricane cleaned up and still use, don't they? They're like this little metal plate that you get your steak on. Hmm. Oh, yeah, those, uh, yeah, they were p- instead of china plates or. Yeah, they were just like this pewter or metal thing. It yeah. was just this. Uh, <laughs> Maybe that conducted the heat better and kept the steak sizzling. It's a sizzling butter kind of place, isn't it? That's the idea. Yeah, yeah. which is why you said there was like a level of grease on the wall. Oh, it was all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, Charlie Petrosi, you did or did not meet him? We got off on something else. Did you meet him ever? Uh, yeah, I met him uh, over at his seafood place. So there was a connection anyway. They, 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 didn't, they weren't the same business. but uh, It was but Petrosi Seafood, right? Petrosi Seafood. That had his name. So it was like one was Charlie's and the other was Petrosi's, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, the, uh, the Charlie's uh, in Petrosi. Uh, in the seafood department, uh, his uh, ultimately his uh, his uh, restaurant was taken up by other people, but he wound up the guy who who Charlie from the, oh. that side of the uh-huh. Charlie family, uh-huh. and uh, that became uh, uh, jambalaya. Was was uh, was Charlie's sister Dottie Bennett? Uh, no, that's a, a aunt and and okay. Uh, okay, and she was kind of a character, wasn't she? Yeah, she was well, at Charlie's. Yeah, she was beyond uh, being a character. She <laughs> she was laughing at everything. Well, she was a waitress there, wasn't she? Was she? A waitress, yeah. and yeah, she was the most distinctive waitress. For and sure. nearly the only uh, waiter you could detect that uh-huh. she. <laughs> so she pretty much ran the place. She ran the place. Uh-huh. And she also uh, felt that everything should be done a certain way, even if it would be an obvious improvement. Uh, one of the things I asked her for was uh, uh, if uh, she would, uh, uh, if she would uh, let me to do this with and this and that and this and that. And anyway, uh, and then I asked him, you know, I never have been upstairs before. And she said, well, I'd take you up there, except I know what it looks like up there, and I know you've not seen it, so we'd like to preserve that <laughs> if we possibly can. It was like an office, right? But it, but yeah. they use it for dining now, don't they? They, they After the hurricane, yeah. they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they did. Yeah. They, they took a really bad hit from yeah, the hurricane. they really did. They really did. And, but I was really, I was really uh, relieved and charmed that they collected all of those pewter plates and clean them and that they're still being used 
Yeah, I'm sure they are. Just your basic uh, metal, steel. Yeah. Just throw it in there and grab it out. That's it. But, you know, this is New Orleans. Now, there was nothing insanitary about it. So. No, no, no. They, of course, cleaned it. But it's 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 a trademark of Charlie's, and I'm glad it that they is. preserved it. And now it's being run by one of their customers who love the place. Matt Dwyer is the owner now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, who is a real uh, contributor to the community. He's always doing special events at the restaurant and... Uh, Bringing down a steakhouse dinner with a, you know, yeah. with a nice price. But anyway, nice guy. Yeah. Today, happy birthday to Richard Hughes. Ah, my best friend over at uh, at Pelican Club. Uh, the Bel- Pelican Club. Yeah. It's one of my favorite places. Uh, I know every period. Place. The end. No, it is. It is. It's everybody knows that. Yeah. Homes in Pelican Club. Yeah. Um, but he is actually reopening um, in the next couple of days, so it's mm-hmm. a good time to announce that, yes. Oh. Pelican Club is coming back. Oh, they, they haven't been? They have not been around. Uh, they, you know, they, oh, kind of, no. they, they came and they went and they went uh, again. But for no reason that you might be well, thinking. no, because of the, the situation, the lockdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, Richard Hughes, you have written, I'm going to read what you wrote, and then you can comment on that. Um Chef owner of the Five Star Pelican Club, Richard first attracted our notice when he worked for Eiler Pope at Dante by the River, where Brightson's is now. I didn't know Brightson's. Dante by the River has been in two locations? Because, uh, okay, so Dante by the River was right across from Brightson's. Did, right. it, did they move across the street? Uh, no, they well, kind of in the middle of the same. So you street. mean you mean Dante by the river that is Bryson's? They they're right across the street from each other. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. that's, that's okay. What is what I'm trying to remember that street, but um, Dante. oh, Don- <laughs> that was an easy. One. That's usually my role, Tom. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Uh, He then moved to New York City, where he was the chef at a well-liked restaurant called Memphis. Despite the name, it served Louisiana food. He and some chef partners started the Pelican Club in July of 1990. After the hurricane, he took full control of the restaurant. As star chefs go, he's one of the quietest and seems to enjoy flying his restaurant under the radar. That is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't. You don't hear much. He just quietly does his thing, and his thing is pretty great. Frank Brightson. Oh, excuse me. Frank Brightson, you're saying? No, we're talking about uh, Richard Hughes. Oh, Richard Hughes. Yeah. Um, Although both, that applies to both of them. Yeah, they're they're both uh, pretty quiet. Uh, And and, uh, very consistent is uh, what I find about both of those, especially. uh, What's your favorite thing at the Pelican Club? Well, the the. Fried fish, the whole no, no. fish. Well, the fish is so uh, that with the flounder on the bottom, with the crab meat on the hoop and a bop. It's uh, that's a great, great thing, especially if you love. <clears throat> excuse me again. Um, if you have a taste for uh, uh, for that sort crab of meat and fish, like uh huh. Yeah. What what is that? What is that whole fried fish that they do? That's that's like an Asian um, kind of thing. <clears throat> Oh gee, oh uh, yeah, that, that's something. Good. They like that a lot. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why. It's uh, one of the things on their menu. They, that... they, they absolutely love that. Also, they're famous for their uh, crab martini. 
they have that. That's really terrific. Yeah, seafood martini is. If you want, if you're looking for a kind of an Asian touch, that's that's not that's not Asian. That's just a, that's a very that's a very Creole thing. It's uh, the crab meat and the shrimp, in a in a remoulade. That's really good. Okay, so Richard Hughes, happy birthday to Richard Hughes. It's also the birthday of Alice Waters. Alice Waters, no kidding. Well, that's a long drive from here. It is, or a long flight, but less less time taken. Alice Waters started Chez Panisse in San Francisco, or Berkeley. Is it Berkeley? San Francisco, uh, Chez Panisse in Berkeley, isn't it? Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah, I've never been to Berkeley. I've been to San Francisco several times and never made it over to Berkeley, which is something that I probably need to do at some point. Did you ever go to Chez Panisse, Tom? Uh, in in uh, San Francisco, yeah. Uh, yeah, just once, and it was for uh, of New Orleans. No, not more. Oh, it was one of those um, Napa events. Napa maybe? Valley, uh-huh. and uh, I re- it, and I went to a, a tasting there, but I've not. Uh-huh. I'm what not was eating. it like? I've never been, obviously. The restaurant? Yeah, is it is it um, really um, like a cottage like? It was a, a hugely wide collection of uh, various kinds of dishes in there. They they had a lot of different. Uh, oh, it's certainly it's certainly famous and avant garde and ultra gourmet, and it's kind of funny to think that a another very unassuming kind of woman would have had that much of an impact on the. Um, on the restaurant world, but well, she certainly had that. Uh, it was a, a different touch, uh, and everybody loved her for that. Yeah. So she, she still does. 1944, she was born. Her inspiration was in tirelessly searching for the best possible ingredients and encouraging farmers to raise better quality foodstuffs with as few artificial additives and techniques as possible. She led the movement toward organic foods in restaurants, and in doing so became one of the three or four most influential figures in the modern American restaurant industry. I think that's absolutely true. Well very, said. Very influential. Yes, absolutely. All right. Um, crawfish pie. Crawfish pie? Today is crawfish pie day. Mm, is it today? Do you like crawfish pie? Not especially. I'm... <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a guy for pies uh, uh, much. I know how you love those Hubigs. Oh yeah, I sure do love those. <laughs> yeah, one of these days they're going to come back, and then we'll all t- tell one another. There is pie. a there's a rumor that Mindy is 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 out and about, and we will talk to her this week. And I have to ask her. Fair, fair warning, Mindy. I'm going to ask you about Hubigs pies returning if we talk. Anyway, crawfish pie is the day today. You know what? I don't really like crawfish pie either, but I made a crawfish tart last week that was so incredibly good that I have to say I could be rethinking my aversion to it. And, you know, we had a guy who I was I was dissing the poor Johnny Sanchez crawfish because they were kind of like muddy and and but but they weren't muddy. But that's I realize that's why we call them mud bugs because they're they're muddy, you know. But but I was dissing them because they were dark and I thought that had some negative effect. But this guy, he got he sent us an email and said that that's actually the real crawfish. The farm raised ones are the lighter, cleaner looking ones. So what you want is the darker ones. So I know that now. Mm. So now I'm going to be looking for 
crawfish like um, like the Johnny Sanchez ones because they had a lot more flavor than the lighter version. But I made a great crawfish pie, or actually a crawfish tart with uh, puff pastry, and um, and I may be a crawfish pie convert now. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you'll find a lot of pl- uh, a lot of fans of that. What you have is crawfish pie became famous outside the precincts where it's most enjoyed through the agency of Hank Williams' hit song, Sing It, Tom. What? Jambalaya, wait, jambalaya, crawfish pie, sing a gumbo, got in the din and a bang, bang, ding. Jambalaya, crawfish pie, filet gumbo. Oh, baby, she is. Well, if Tom is going to scat... I can't really think of the words, but anyway, jambalaya, crawfish pie, filet gumbo, and a, something by Salomeo, um, son of a gun, gonna have some fun on the bio. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, that song... I think it might have been about a girl, anyway. I, I, I think it was by a girl, and it's funny, I, I just found the... If Doug was here, it would be playing in the background already. We miss you, Doug. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll turn it up. Anyway, uh, the song created a three-way combo that Cajun restaurants offer to this day, jambalaya, crawfish pie, and filet gumbo. Crawfish pie starts with the same ensemble of ingredients you use to make crawfish etouffee, but with no tomato and less liquid. It's also enriched and a little cream and thickened with a touch of egg, really. Although the classic crawfish pie is made in a standard but small pie shell... Your preference is made in a turnover, baked or fried. Hmm. Oh, you have a recipe in, in according to this almanac, but I, I'm going to use my recipe now because I absolutely oh, loved it. Use your own unless it's no good. Well, I think the key is you keep a lot of crawfish head fat in it, and that really enhances the flavor. Same is true of shrimp. Mm-hmm. That's why you like um, barbecue shrimp with heads on because the fat will then meld into the sauce. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, bing bong. <laughs> okay, Tom, you have a really interesting thing in here in your edible dictionary today. It's called a service berry. I have never heard of a service berry. That is a, a genuine edible berry. Yeah. And they, uh, they kind of look like grapes, but with a little bit squished down kind of look to it. You say that they're distantly related to apples. You have service berry, an edible and quite delicious berry that grows on small trees. They're distantly related to apples. Service berries grow throughout most of the eastern half of the United States and into Canada, where they like them quite a lot. There, they're called Saskatoons. The city of Saskatchewan is named for them. Birds love service berries, which is why they rarely make it to market. Trees must be completely covered with netting for any fruit to make it to ripeness. They're very dark purple when at their best, which is usually in June. Hence another name for them, June berries. Have you ever had a service berry? Uh, no, I've never uh, run into one in even. So, uh, yeah. I wonder I if people. You one. Do you have I any? Know. I wonder if people who live up there um, uh, that we would know here or, you know, anyone who's listening, uh, send us a note. Yeah, tell us service berries. Service berry is. Yeah. That's. Uh, Better yet, save some and bring us some, because I would like to try a service berry. There was a, um, when we went on that last cruise, we were in Maine, and I was wandering around by myself. You were on the ship. It was raining, 
And there was something that I'm trying to remember that was growing on the bushes near the port. And I asked someone what they were, and I picked a lot of them, and I saved them, and they were really good, but I don't remember. It was some kind of something. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway. Let's see if we can figure it out, if anybody could help us with that. Yeah. Whatever is uh, in... in, Portland, Maine. Was it Portland, Maine? Maine? No, it wasn't Portland, Maine. It was Bahaba. Yeah, Bahaba. There is a, uh, there's a port there and the, uh, where you come away from the sea, there is a, like a mound or a little hill with a bunch of bushes on it. And it was loaded with whatever it was that I picked. And I don't even remember what it was. Anyway, service berry is something I definitely want to try. Rule number 838, Tom, here comes the rules. Da, 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 da. You have a lot of dining rules. <laughs> there you go, Tom. All right, you can do that. Round uh, Rule 838, you can have fun picking and eating wild berries. But no matter how many you find and eat, you will still need lunch afterward. You do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's not true of Mary Lee. She she eats. She can make a meal out of berries and also tomatoes. And that's it. That's all she's going to eat. Okay. A person, words to eat by a person who can get a good table at Chez Panisse at the last minute is a very important person indeed. Royalty begins with Alice Waters. That was Willard Spiegelman. Hmm. Willard Spiegelman. Willard Spiegelman uh, was a professor at SMU. Hmm. Yes. Royalty. That is that is um, impressive, but I guess that's true. Remember that story that um, uh, someone said at the Twenty One Club to Dick Brennan when he got a free uh, when his check was picked up, and the guy behind the bar said. Mister, you must be somebody. I ain't ever seen a check picked yeah. up here. <laughs> yeah, he, he was. Uh, he loved telling that story. Yeah, well, it's a great, it's a great story, and uh, you can bet there were a lot of famous people at the Twenty One Club, and so then you didn't pick up their checks because if you picked up one check, you were picking up checks all day long because everybody that was there was famous. But he was just a good friend, and that's why he picked them up. Anyway, let's see. Anne Margaret was born today. You remember uh, any favorite movies of hers? Uh, didn't didn't she uh, do some berries along the way? Anne Margaret was she was she well, then she was one of the in here for her berries? Maybe no, I don't know. Anyway, um, let's see. It says she made movies, but the breakthrough was Bye Bye Birdie, which so I guess you have her in here as like a bird, as an edible creature. I don't know. National Blueberry Pie Day today also. Everybody loves uh, blueberries, except when you're trying to actually cook with it. It always wants to slip away and not stay there and let you help. You know, the best blueberry pie, actually, I don't ever eat blueberry pie. But going back to that same trip and that same day in Bahaba, where it was just nasty, raining, and cold, I slipped into a restaurant and had fish and chips and blueberry pie from their their raw, natural, wild blueberries that they get up there in Acadian Park. And it was um, divine. It was blueberry pie, which is something I would never ordinarily get. But since it was so very local and so very 
wild, I decided to try it, and boy, was it great. Anyway, that's all I have to say on blueberry pie. <laughs> Blueberries aren't in season yet. Our bushes here at the ranch have nothing yet, and this is as far as south as it gets, of course, for Chile, except for Chile, from which almost all blue and blackberries come this time of year. In any case, blueberry pie sounds better than it is. For the blueberries to hold a berry texture, they must float in a thick matrix, which is usually super sweet. That's not a problem for you, Tom. You love that. The result is generic, sweet, fruity goo. Blueberries are so marvelous in their fresh state that why would you do that? Yes, I agree. I totally agree. Funny thing about blueberries is that if you were trying to like make a... Uh like a, a stew or a little stew, uh, on top of it, it wants to roll all over the place. The blueberries yeah. want to be over well, here. Well, they're very round. They're, they're, they're absolutely round. Today, W.H. Uh, Carrier patented the modern air conditioner in 1914. This was an incomparable improvement for restaurants in places like New Orleans. Try to imagine dining at Galatoire's or Arno's on a 95-degree day. No, thank you. Hmm. No, thank you. With 85% humidity and nothing more than the uh, arsenal of ceiling fans to keep patrons cool. Yeah, yeah. If you can't uh, imagine that, go to southern Italy in July. I don't know. For some reason, I don't find it as as uh, horrifying to be in Italy in the summer as here. Maybe it's because you get the breezes or something, but it's definitely a little more palatable over there. Well, here's something you should avoid, if at all possible, and that is being in Italy itself when you're doing any kind of picking out in the yards. Because, boy, in, in, in parts... When did you ever pick anything I in did, Italy? Uh, time? I did. Oh, that time you went before you met me. In Friuli, was it Friuli? Did you all pick? Friuli, uh, they they were a lot more co accommodating. This would have been uh, in the uh, south. Tom, you have never picked anything that I witnessed, and that is all trips past two thousand four. You must be talking about that time that you went all around Italy on like a food tour. Uh, yeah, I think that is where how yeah. it got that. Yeah, happened. what were you picking? Uh, blueberries, if I remember. No, I don't think so. I don't know. I... <laughs> Probably wine. Probably wine. All right. Sugar beets is not something that we often talk about, but it has a great deal of sugar is extracted from them, particularly in Eastern Europe. The man who developed this method for extracting the sucrose, Franz Karl Achard, was born today in 1753. Hmm. Have you ever had a sugar beet? Well, I, I, what I think is going on there is that uh, not-so-sugar beets are, are starchy. Uh, they're, they're full of starch. Yeah, but they're also sugary, too. But, yeah, you can get them that way, but it's much— they're roots. Their roots are— It's very uh, possible that you might have some of these beets that are starchy, and they're just trying to tell you that, hey, beware of this— and and then you get the beets that are sweet and, and beautiful and all that. Well, I, I could, I could, frustrated nutritionist that I am, get into the chemical aspects of roots, sugars, and starches. But I'm going to spare everyone and just say goodbye because oh, wow. it's time to leave our Tom Foodery for today. Tune in tomorrow, please. I have one more question I was going to ask you before you sneak Okay, but... Um, we were talking earlier in talking about Charlie's Steakhouse.
and in the course of, in the course of doing that, uh, we ran into. Um, uh, oh, where did he go? I had him right over. 